Welcome to Risk Never Sleeps, where we meet and get to know the people delivering patient care and protecting patient safety. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet. Welcome to the Risk Never Sleeps podcast, in which we learn about the people that are on the front lines delivering and protecting patient care. I'm Ed Gaudet, the host of our program, and today I am pleased to have Greg Peebles, Chief Information Security Officer for U of L in Louisville, Kentucky. Is that correct, sir? Well, it's technically Uville Hill, so it's a separate entity from the university, but we certainly ah. love, we have close ties. So thank you, Ed, for having me part of this. I've had an opportunity to listen to some of the others, so uh, hopefully I don't disappoint some of those that came before. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, we've got a lot to cover about you, so let's start off with, tell us about your current role and your organization, um, a little bit about the health system. Sure. I'm coming up on uh, two years with the University of Louisville Health. A regional academic medical center, eight hospitals, four medical centers, 200 physician practices, 1,000 providers, 13,000 team members, and the only level one trauma center in the area. I guess a little bit of trivia, the University Hospital is the oldest hospital in Kentucky, but as an organization, UofL Health was formed in 2019, so we acquired all of the Louisville assets from CHI that was called Kentucky One. So that mm -hmm. we kind of tripled in size. I say we, that was before I came on board, but I admire our IT team that they were able to put all that together and make it work. And I kind of look at my job, my opportunity is kind of come in after the fact and kind of help them kind of mature some processes and security. Excellent, excellent. Take us through your background a little bit, just at a high level. And I saw you were a HIPAA privacy uh, or the HIPAA officer at uh, St. Elizabeth. So I was going to college and my older brother said, hey, you need to get into computers. So that's kind of a hot thing. I said, okay, that sounds good. And then they said, you either can be a math major or a business major. I said, well, math doesn't sound like much fun. So I'll uh, do business. I wound up taking accounting classes and got a dual major. So mm -hmm. accounting and computer science. And then somebody said, you could get into something called IT auditing. So I did that for a while. And I was at a place where I could find problems or I could fix problems. I had an opportunity to move into security at the same company that I audited at and then had to fix some things that I had recommended. So it gives you a little bit better perspective on, on that. Spent about 10 years at consulting, doing a lot of security assessments, reviews, et cetera. Then had an opportunity to get into back into security as a dedicated security professional and then worked my way up into a leadership role. So my first leadership role was at Omnicare in Cincinnati, Fortune was actually like 412 at the time. I was in that role about seven months, just figuring out what to do. And we were acquired by CVS Health. So I'd like to say that Omnicare had kind of a high risk appetite. CVS had a, get on the screen here, very low risk appetite. So yeah. it's kind of a good opportunity to get a lot of security in Omnicare in a very short time. So did you ever get out to Rhode Island, the headquarters of CVS? Uh, a couple of times. Interesting. So, um, I wound up taking over a couple of teams and security at that time, and they had a travel freeze. So I had people reporting to me I never met in person. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of awkward doing a, an annual review, but, um, you know, CVS was an interesting place. I don't know if it fit my style. You know, we had 80-hour weeks for me and some people on the team, and I was kind of ready to get back into leading a security practice and felt like, hey, uh, you know, yeah. I, I you know, have more influence there and had the opportunity to be the first security officer for the healthcare organization where I live here in Northern Kentucky. So I was in that role about four and a half years. And I heard a rumor about this Stephen Ramirez guy might be leaving Yobel Health. 
Mm-hmm. And, and we talked and that kind of worked in the opportunity to kind of follow him here. I'll say clean up everything, but uh, Stephen <laughs> made a good found foundation. And Stephen was very adept at letting leadership know, hey, we needed more budget. So he had me some good tools and stuff to start with. So I'll thank him for that. Now it's just a matter of kind of continuing to prove kind of operational efficiency. And like I said, rest never sleeps, especially in security. So there's plenty to do. It's just a matter of prioritizing and executing. Yeah. And, and I spent some time in Louisville. I was at uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. I so started my basic training. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a beautiful part of the United States. And I used to love the weather patterns, just majestic <laughs> lightning storms and thunderstorms in Kentucky. Uh, I think uh, Mark Twain said about the Cincinnati area, if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes. <laughs> my brother was actually, I think he did advanced infantry. In oh. Actually, oh, did he? Oh, I could nice. drive down for, for the graduation. Yeah, so, nice. Nice. Um, the Patton Museum while we were there. Yeah, Patton, yeah. I think I did a college paper on him. Really interesting character. Yes, wow. I read the book about it. I think people from the outside seem to have more of a colorful description of Patton than he did himself. But. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, as you think about the last couple of years with the pandemic, obviously, what are some of your top priorities? What are the things you're looking at for the university? Well, like not talk about the pandemic anymore and kind of all that, hey, workers going home. You know, I was at another healthcare system at that time. You know, we already had people working from home. We just had to kind of expand that. I think we were very fortunate that we were able to keep all of our existing controls and they had some flexibility. We could kind of expand our user base for that. I think you've probably had other people say this. I think it still comes back to the security foundations. We still had to keep doing the, the basic stuff. So two basic principles only the access you need and only the services you need. Now you multiply that by 15,000 workstations, thousands of servers. Every server cannot have custom security or user custom security. So how do you make it operational processes to keep it secure and flexible? And that's kind of why we have jobs because there's no secret formula of that. But if yes, everything you look at, if you come back to those principles, what data is needed, what services are required to make it work, and what risk is left after that? How do we manage that? I think you can say that for any previous technology or future technology. So the security principles, how do we stick with those as we move forward? That's great. That's great. And then when you think about, obviously, all the work that went into protecting patients and making sure that we're caring for patients over the last couple of years, what are you most uh, proud of professionally and personally? I would have to say just building working relationships as you go, that we can accomplish things. As an auditor, you know, it felt like there maybe was some adversarial challenges built into the roles themselves, but it probably took me longer than other leaders. But it's, you know, I just realized we need to work together. I don't have to be right, but my goal is to make the organization safer than it was the day before. And if that means compromise on one thing that we're going to secure something else, Mm. because last thing I want to do is interrupt healthcare, the services we provide to patients. And I'm fortunate to work in an industry where we're truly helping people. And, you know, going through relatives that have had some serious health issues and spending all your spare time in a hospital room and just getting to know the nurses and appreciate them helps you appreciate our role in the back end of keeping that secure. CEO, every time he sees me, hey, are we still safe? Well, it's like, yeah, we're fighting the good fight. I think our role is there's the risks to hospitals are growing 
10 years ago, it's like, hey, these bad things all happen to somebody else. But there's always something happening to us, especially in healthcare. I just, all of the targeted phishing attacks towards leaders. I heard, so, heard uh, someone else talking about the SMS messages going to leaders and even mid-level managers. Hey, this is the CEO. I need you to go get me it's some crazy cards. That one, I, you know, I said, wow. And then, you know, I get on with some other CISO and everyone had the same story. So people are getting attacked. These are not kids in basements anymore. These mm -hmm. are criminal enterprises with the goal of monetizing our risks for their benefit. Yeah, it's that balance between control and, you know, and enabling the enterprise to deliver the best patient care possible. And it's always that balance between those two things. And I love your your notion of positive persistence. Take us through what that means. I, I read that in uh, one of your posts. You know, I, I kind of thought about it. It's like, it's like I bother people that I, I say, let's just keep going. It's, I look at it as, hey, we had a pen test. We have findings we need to resolve. I'm setting up a meeting every other week with all the key process owners. And we need to make progress every meeting. And I'm going to keep bringing this up. I am not going to get tired of it and quit. So you probably need to vote a little bit of time. This. I can always escalate, you know, go to the risk committee. That time. I would rather two of us work together, say, here's what I think the risk is. Hey, I'm willing to hear your side of it. In fact, I want that because you may have a better idea than I do. I just want to get it fixed. If you don't have an idea, I'll come up with some, but I feel like the process owner is probably going to have something that's going to going to mm -hmm. do that simpler, faster. So let's figure out what to do and then do it. I've learned it. I just got really raised. Just be a nice guy. I'm just going to ask. And it's, as my wife reminds me, it's how you say something sometimes more than what you say. So it's I, true. Know, it's I, so I don't always figure it out at home, but I seem to do better at work. There's, yeah. less, there's less stress around the communication of the message. At work, yeah. there is, but um, so, <laughs> that's so that's, true. Uh, that is you know, positive persistence. It's like figure out what we need to do, and then we're just going to keep making steps forward. Maybe they're baby steps, but we are. We have goals that you no, know, we determined are important for the organization, and we'll keep moving forward. It's probably a little bit of that auditing background you have that enables you to continue that relentless pursuit. Well, it you know keep going, and if you have goals, let's make sure that. Mm. Yeah, again, if everybody agrees, yeah, this is important. This is a risk. We're going to keep moving forward on, mm -hmm. um, you know, next shiny ball that goes by can't divert you from what you need to do. Yeah. So speaking of risks, what keeps you up at night? <sighs> I've seen, you know, been impacted by zero days in my career. We've had what I call near misses that worry me. I guess I've been doing this long enough that even if you have an event, you just have to professionally deal with it and move on. I don't worry about losing my risk, my losing my job at kind of this point in time. It's like, I just want to get through. So, mm. hey, what can we learn? Gather data, make a decision. Hey, we're taking these systems offline or, hey, we're turning off email for a while. You know, these are things that might happen, but professionally, it's what we know we need to do. We communicate to the right people. And so even if you have one of those kind of events is positive persistence with that as well. Just mm. take care of it, get the right people engaged and do what's best for the organization. Now, but, response and recovery is so much more important these days than... Well, and I like to say that you should be passionate about security, not emotional. And so you have to deal with people. It's the people business. Everything is really... So instead of being emotional and going up, that type of thing, it's okay, what do we need to do? Who needs to help make the decision? And let's go do it. Yeah, wise advice. So outside of healthcare and IT, what are you most passionate about? What other things would you be doing if you weren't doing this job? 
Wow. So back in high school, I kind of thought, hey, maybe playing professional baseball would be when I actually played a little bit in college. Um, I went back and played in an adult baseball league. It was a 40 and over league. I played until quite a few years past that. I was the oldest guy on my team for a while. I loved it, but family stuff got in the way. I thought about, hey, I'd love to be a automotive engineer. My dad said, oh, I knew a guy who tried to do that. Couldn't find a job. So that wound up being IT. My wife runs a food pantry and then my job is to do whatever she tells me to do. Mm-hmm. Like I think helping those people that have food insecurity, you know, I do that now, but if I had more spare time, I could be up there during the week moving skids around and the stuff my wife needs help with. Uh, and then I have several grandkids that I think I was probably too stressed out as a parent the first time to <laughs> always appreciate. And so grandkids are kind of kind of an opportunity to relive that. And it's just, you know, it's kind of neat. You know, grandkids love you regardless. So as long as you give them sweet and toys and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. And so, yeah, no, I think that is the uh, the allure of having grandkids. You get to sort of do it correctly the second time around, like you said. <laughs> I just I appreciate the moments. Yeah. If you could go back in time, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? I feel like I took the hard road. You know, I've got a good number of certifications, but I said, if I'm going to learn something, let me get something from that. So I did all that stuff kind of on my own. I don't feel like I really necessarily had those mentors along the way. Mm-hmm. So I think as a 20, 20 really, we'll say 22, 25, when you first start a network place, getting mentors and that can help you and figure out kind of the big picture. Then the other thing I would probably say is maybe take a little bit more risks. I think I passed on jobs I probably could have learned a lot from because I was, maybe I can't really do that. Maybe I'm not ready for that. But no one knows until they're kind of thrown into an opportunity and they ask to make it work. So you don't know how the depth of your capabilities or perseverance until you're kind of thrown into a challenge. So I'd say those are kind of the two big things is find mentors and then don't be afraid to challenge mm. yourself. I love that. Take more risks while you're young. Great segue into the next question. This is the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question, Greg. What's the riskiest thing you've ever done? So I then played baseball when you were 40. <laughs> it's pretty risky. Well, I was uh, I'm probably tack another 15 on. on oh, okay. Um, well, and I actually still ran pretty good. I just, you know, 90 feet was my absolute max. <laughs> but um, people get into security and auditing that are risk adverse, they follow the rules, mm-hmm. don't color outside the lines. I think I was probably raised that way. I can't go back and think of something, you know, really dangerous. I think if I had the opportunity to drive a Formula One car or something, I probably would have tried it. That would have probably been kind of risky. I, I even thought about kind of a career in the military and, and realized, well, I'm probably not getting into West Point. So those were kind of some of the things I thought about, but didn't happen. I'll stay behind the scenes and keep at least ULL safe for others. What position did you play in baseball? Left field, center field. I was left-handed, so that yeah. kind of ruled out most of the uh, infield. Mm-hmm. And I found it a challenge that can you catch everything that comes out there? And I tell people playing the outfield is the sooner you can see the ball come off the bat, you know what direction to go. So okay. it's a lot easier to turn left or right, right off the bat, than it is to tell the distance. So if you got yourself moving you can get closer to the right spot. So I looked at anything that came out to the outfield was a challenge. So anyway, that's, well, what can you do? You look at basketball and football, those are truly team sports. In baseball, when you're at bats, it's one-on-one. And when you're in the outfield and the ball's hit to you, mm-hmm. chances are nobody's backing you up. Right. 
Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's it right at you. So uh, we're, we're right over your head. So yeah. Kind of you That's great. That's your point. Well, that's great. Um, so I often try to add this uh, question in. I think you'd mentioned music at one point. If you were on a desert island, what would be the top albums you would bring with you? I saw the question. It's talked about like TV shows or something. Yeah, you could do movies too. But I, I yeah, my panned answer is Gilligan's Island for Iran. So (laughs) it really had a a great life. So whatever I could, technology or ideas I could pull from that, I think would help me survive. And you have famous people come by and visit you on the island occasionally. So that would be. That's yeah. I might want to. Think about getting naked and afraid. You know that show on TV. <laughs> yeah, that, that doesn't look that doesn't look fun. No, but, but somehow they survive. <laughs> um, so, uh, hardest lesson in your career? Hardest lesson. I think that comes back to it's not whether you win or lose, but is the organization better? Mm. And I don't need to feel good about winning an argument or a discussion. I just want to know if you come out of meeting with somebody or a group that we're doing something that makes the organization better. And it took me a while after meeting you come out and you're all thinking, oh, I should have said this. I should have said that. It's like, that stuff doesn't matter. I got to feel like I'm doing the best I can. And then, you know, if that's helping someone else succeed, that's more important. Or somebody else's idea. I said, you know, I like that. That's probably easier than what I was thinking. That's really the goal is, is there's a, a bigger team and you can keep expanding the layers of the onion to how that includes nurses, doctors, et cetera. So we can lock down security, but we're going to have all these requests. Hey, I need this to get my job done. So it's all about the big picture and the picture is always bigger than what you think it is. No, I love that. I love that answer. Last question. Any advice to young folks coming into the cyber world, the cyber professions, just starting out pursuing a career maybe in uh, tech or in healthcare? And so when you think about tech is just jump in anywhere. You know, we've had a lot of great people that come out of, you know, say they were part of the SOC and then they move into security operations or they were on a service desk mm-hmm. or they were part of end user computing. You're developing skill sets. But the kind of important thing is, is it a job or are you wanting to learn, get better? Do you have a passion? Are you willing to learn? So are you, are you, when you go home in the evening, are you listening to a podcast or reading some article? You know, I used, every time somebody mentioned a term or some tool I didn't know about, I would go research it as soon as I left. I wrote it down. Hey, go look at this. And if you, you got to have that level of curiosity and then mm-hmm. you think about security is, you're not going to do everything in security. I don't know everything. No one does. But you pick a few pieces where you're good at it. I kind of started up doing more GRC stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at it as there's people that want to dive into how does malware work? I'm more interested in all, how do the pieces of an organization work together to be secure? How do you influence other people? How do you use governance committees effectively to keep everybody on the same page? How do you keep one part of an organization from going rogue from a security perspective versus others that are maybe too risk adverse? That's my interest, putting those pieces together. But everyone has to kind of find their interest. And, you know, your first job may not be the glamorous, but it's an opportunity for you to learn just because they have you working on anything in antivirus product. If you volunteer to do something else, I don't know too many leaders that are going to say, no, you can't do that. (laughs) Uh, So... It's 
how are you gaining knowledge and hands-on experience? And then you can go work on some certification, you know, buy a book and read it and something like that while you're, you know, if you're working EUC and you're studying for Security Plus is a step in the right direction. Embrace the curiosity and lean in. Yes. Great, great words of wisdom. Excellent. Yeah. This is Ed Gaudet from the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. We have been speaking with Greg Peebles, the CISO at U of L Health. If you're on the front lines protecting patient safety and delivering patient care, remember to stay vigilant because risk never sleeps. Thanks for listening to Risk Never Sleeps. For the show notes, resources, and more information on how to transform the protection of patient safety, visit us at sensinet.com. That's C-E-N-S-I-N-E-T.com. I'm your host, Ed Gaudet, and until next time, stay vigilant because risk never sleeps.